invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. The title of the message is Amazing Grace. That's what we've sung about this morning. We're in the book of Ephesians this summer. We looked at verses 1 through 7. Last week we'll pick up with verses 8 through 10 uh, this week. How many of you watched the horse race yesterday? Some of you. How many of you even knew there was a horse race yesterday? The horse Justify won the triple crown yesterday. And uh, I don't know, I'm not a big horse race guy, but I usually watch the big three. And this was the third of the triple crown jewel and Justify won. I watched that and then we began eating dinner. And about 30 minutes later, I got breaking news on my phone. I thought, breaking, I better read this. Breaking news, Justify won. I'm like, why are you telling me something I've known now for quite some time? I've got breaking news for you. This happens, you know, you would think in the age of the Internet that somebody at that news station would have known that ahead of time, and I guess they did. They just were a little slow hitting the breaking news button. Well, I kind of felt that way as I studied this passage this morning. Paul is explaining how you got saved. Verse 1 of chapter 2 explains where you were. A little later into the passage explains now how you got to where you are now. He's writing to believers in a church in Ephesus, and we know this letter would have also been carried to other churches in that region. But why does Paul need to tell people who are saved how they got saved? Well, let's read the passage and see if we discover a little bit of that. Beginning in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. In my translation, I read out of the New American Standard, in my translation there's 55 words in those three verses. And I really just want to highlight five important words. So if you're used to three-point sermons at the chapel, this is actually a five-point, so don't get, we'll still get out on time. And we'll be out by 1 or 2 o'clock, so don't worry. The buses will wait. Lunch will wait. No, just five words that leap off the page at me when I read that. And I want to take the first one a little out of order because it's the one that the rest of them pivot around, and that is the word saved. Paul says, for by grace you are, have been saved. Past tense. Why is he telling them you have been saved? Here's at least a few reasons. First, Paul in Galatians that we looked at last summer and Ephesians this summer is combating false doctrine. He's, in, he's combating false teaching. There are people that are infiltrating the church from inside and outside that are saying grace isn't enough, that are saying the cross wasn't enough. You need to add this, that, and the other thing. And so Paul, for one reason, he's telling them, no, wait a minute, you are saved. You have been saved. It is a settled fact. And he's going to explain how it happened here in a minute. But you are saved. It's settled. And to be saved suggests rescue. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Perish, to be destroyed utterly or fully. And so Paul says, no, wait a minute. You're not going to perish because you have been saved. 
It points to decisive experience in the past and emphasizes a present and continuing result. Well, do you ever struggle with that? Do you ever struggle with doubt? I've, I've struggled with doubt in my Christian life. There's times you kind of think, can I really bank on the fact that I am saved? Sometimes it's through your own wandering away from the Lord. You kind of think, man, what happened there? Does God still love me? Am I okay with God? Am I still saved? But Paul says, no, you are saved. You have been saved. Past action with continuing results. And he's going to give you the ways that it happened in a minute. But it's amazing that a lot of people doubt, kind of go through the Christian life unsure, and yet the Bible's real clear. Before moving here, I lived in a town called Gastonia. Anybody know where that is? There was a survey taken at Rose's Department Store in Belmont, not far from where y'all live. And the question they were asking is, are you going to heaven? And I love those kind of things. When you get the newspaper and they've asked a question, there's like eight people's picture. It tells what they do for a living. And then it gives their answer. Eight people in Belmont, North Carolina were asked the question, are you going to heaven? Not one single person said yes. Now, I knew Belmont was fairly godless, but I didn't know it was that bad, Mark. But the thing that surprised me is not one single person said no. Nobody said yes or no. And what really got me was some of the answers. One person said, I got a 50-50 chance. I was like, okay, so there's this huge coin. You get to the pearly gates, you know, and Simon Peter's going there, and he's like, all right, your turn. Come up here. Call it. You're not calling heads or tails. You're calling heaven or hell. Sorry. Next. Is that kind of, do you live your life that way? Kind of the way, well, I got a 50-50 chance. One person, bless their heart, if you know what that means in the South, said, I got a 95% chance. I'm like, well, so what's up with that other 5%? You, can, do you have to go through life? Hoping? You have to go through life thinking it's going to come down to a coin flip? You have to go through life thinking, I'm pretty sure. 95% today. Tomorrow it might be 80. Depends on what I have for lunch. No, what does the Bible say? Now, we're only looking at three verses a day, but Casey's running pro presenter this morning. He's got a bunch of verses. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. Now, apparently in Belmont, North Carolina, their passage says that whoever believes in him, believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may have a 50-50 chance or a 95% chance. Now, I'm picking on Belmont. That's life, folks. That's, you don't have to go to Belmont to hear those kind of answers. You hear things like, man, are you going to heaven? Well, I hope so. And what are they banking on for getting into heaven? You know what they're banking on? They're banking on themselves. I've been a pretty good guy. And I've said this before this chapel, but I think some people are going to get to heaven. And if you're asked the question, why should I let you into heaven? You're going to look around and go, you let her in. I know her. And we're going to compare ourselves to each other. Guess what? It don't work that way. It's not whether you're better than the next guy. It's whether you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior or not. And so Paul says, you have been saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Many of you know the Romans road. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And then Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You can know that you're saved. And so that's what Paul is saying to them. And why is it so important? Because it will affect the way you live your life if you're doubting. It will affect your witness and testimony. It will affect the joy of your salvation. And so Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and saying, I want to explain to you, this is what you were, verses 1 through 3. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, has made you alive. And, and so often in that passage, he said, together with Christ, you've been raised up, you've been seated in heavenly places with Christ, together with Christ. And Paul brings it all the way back to, you have been saved. Second word is, by grace. For it is by grace. I want you to look at your Bible real carefully. It doesn't say good works. It doesn't say scripture memory. It doesn't say church attendance. All those are good things. It doesn't say you were at beach camp in 2018. It doesn't say that you were good to people. Those are good things. But it says one thing. It says you have been saved. You have been By grace, you have been saved. For, by grace. Folks, that's, that's the heart of the gospel. God doesn't owe you anything. It's not your works. It's not your birthright. It's not your nationality. It's not the fact you were raised in a Christian home. That always used to get me when I'd hear a testimony. I was raised in a Christian home. I was, I was raised in a brick home. It's great if you're raised in a Christian home. Praise God for Christian moms and dads. But you know what? That doesn't make you a Christian. One of the things that scared me when I moved here, I hadn't been here but a month. We had done the Easter sunrise service. I ran into a lady at a, at a restaurant. She said, oh, you're the new pastor at the chapel. I said, yeah, yeah I am. And she said, are oh, you going to love it here? Everybody here is a Christian. Oh, really? I don't even know why I'm here. I probably messed things up. What did she mean? A lot of people go to church. For by grace, you've been saved. It's all about the finished work of Christ on the cross. Anything you add to that, you've got to hear this. Anything you add to that becomes an enemy of the cross. The cross plus anything is wrong. For by grace, you've been saved. 150 times in the New Testament is the word grace used over 100 times by the Apostle Paul. In the 13 letters he writes, you think it was important that Paul was trying to explain grace. Why do we struggle so much with that? It's because we're human. It's because we are men and women who want to point to our own efforts. And we think there's something I've got to add to it. And there's even religions that that's how, the, how you get to heaven. In fact, I'd challenge you to find a religion outside of Christianity that doesn't add some me measure of works. And it's not just grace, but it's through faith. It's through faith. Moral conviction. So what, is, what does faith mean? I've seen people try to describe faith, and I used to do that with a chair. You know, I'd bring a chair up and say, I actually have a stool. I don't know why it's up here, but I'll use it. You, you all came in and sat on a chair this morning, right? We got rid of the pews because Hurricane Matthew 
learn that. You're sitting in a chair. How many of you tested your chair before you sat in it? Did any of you go, looks like it'll hold me, but this ain't my first rodeo. <laughs> There's been times I've sat in a chair that broke. I had a brother five years older than me. There were times I went to sit in a chair that wasn't there when I went to sit in it. This ought to be a hint. If your brother or sister, who's especially older than you, but even younger, they say, here, let me get that chair for you. You better watch out because it's not going to be there when you go to sit down. But really and truly, that's more about trust. Because Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So a lot about your Christian life is going to be faith in something you haven't seen physically with your eyes. You're going to see results. You're going to know in your heart it's true. But if I've been saved by grace through faith, I need to understand what faith is. It's not really trust. It's not I'm waiting on seeing something. It's I've, I've been saved by faith in a God who's proved that he's faithful. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So things, some people say, well, it's just blind faith. No, it's really not. God got my attention one day standing in a Walmart parking lot waiting to cross two lanes of traffic. People at Walmart parking lot will drive really fast. Have y'all ever noticed that? I think they're so happy they're finally out of there because there's only one cash register up and they're just blazing to get out of the parking lot. But I looked and a woman had walked out of a restaurant connected to Walmart and I could tell she was visually impaired. I'd say that she was blind. And it scared me because I'm over here and she's walking this way, but she stopped and just stood there. And I thought, as soon as I can get through this traffic, I want to go over and make sure she doesn't step out into the traffic because cars are just going. And she didn't move until two ladies came out, one on either side of her, took her arm, and she just stepped right out. Now, why did she step right out? Because all of a sudden she could see? No, she knew those two ladies. She knew their hand on her arm, and she knew if they were saying go, it was okay because they had never steered her wrong before. That's the faith I have in God. At times the world can't see it, but I know it because of God's presence in my life. And let me explain something. The deeper you get in your understanding of God, the longer you've walked with Christ, the deeper your relationship and intimacy with God is, the more your, your walk is going to be a whole lot more by faith. You may not see ten steps down the road, but you know the God who's telling you to step out. So you have been saved, past actions, settled facts. You have been saved by faith. You've been saved by grace, through faith. Is that what you're believing in this morning? Ask yourself that question. If you're believing in something else, then it's not grace through faith. It's, it's, it's something else. You've added something to it. Maybe it's religion. Maybe it's just you really have good church attendance. Be careful. It's, and that, not of yourself. So the fourth word is the word gift. The word gift. It is the gift, a present, or the word literally means a sacrifice. Salvation is the gift based on grace, and the means is faith quickly share the illustration I shared last week. We have two donut places in our area. Last Friday, you missed it, it wasn't this past Friday, Friday before last, they gave away free donuts. Well, what does that mean? Well, one of them, if you walk up and say, give me a donut, they would give you a donut. Free. 
The other one, if you walk in and say, give me a donut, you had to buy something. And that amazes me. You'll see that down here all, you know, free with the purchase of $12.99. That's not free. It's the gift. In order for something to be a gift, you don't pay for it. If somebody say, hey, I got a gift for you, and say, well, I need your credit card. <laughs> I used to buy office supplies when I was in college for an insurance agency. And I'd have people call me all the time, and they'd finally get me, and they'd probably wonder, why are we talking to some 19-year-old twerp? Well, it's because that was my job. But they would say, we got a gift we're going to send you. Okay. What's your address? All right, here's my address. And we need a credit card. I'm like, why? Wait a minute, time out. Why do you need a credit card for my gift? Well, because you, you have to pay handling, shipping and handling. So I appreciate you're going to send me a box of pens worth $5, and i got to pay $15 shipping and handling to get it here. That's not a gift. So I want you to get that. The grace, the faith, the salvation is a gift. None of it's from you. It's the gift of God. And pardon me for quoting this line from a movie, but it's the gift that keeps on giving. Some of you know what movie I'm talking about. So it's a gift. And why is that? It's not a result of works so that no one would boast. If you had something to do with it, what would you do? We'd all stick our chest out, poke our lip out. I did that. I came to God and said, is this enough? And God said, well, yeah, that's, that's good enough. But the truth is, if you come to God apart from Christ, Nothing is good enough because it's a gift. And if you could do something to earn it, then you could boast because man always wants to claim credit. Look at Romans 3.27. Well, in fact, let me back up. Romans 3.23 and 24. All of us, have, if you've learned the Romans road, you know Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, you need to memorize verse 24 too. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So the bad news is everybody sinned. Who does that include? It includes the preacher and you too. We've all sinned. But there's a gift of God. We're justified because of that gift. And then later in the passage, Romans 3.27, here's what Paul said, Where then is the boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. So he's writing to people, especially if they grew up in the Jewish culture, that they thought they were right with God by keeping a list of commandments. And Paul's saying, no. You couldn't. That list of commandments pointed out how desperately needy you were for a Savior. And so it's because of a gift. It's because of grace through faith that you're saved. It's a gift of God. Judges 7, verse 2 Judges 7, verse 2, this is the story of Gideon amassing an army to fight against the Amalekites and some of those other ites that are coming against them. And they got like 32,000 soldiers. And God said, the people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. For Israel would become boastful, saying, my own power has delivered me. Y'all remember that story? So, Gideon went and said, listen, if any of you are kind of afraid, you'd really be at home, rather be back home, it's okay to leave. No shame. 
22,000 left, 10,000 left. God, God comes back and says, still too many. So they go through a series, a process where they get down to 300 fighting men. And God gives them a victory. Why? So that when it was all over, they could only say, God did this. We had nothing to do with it. There was only 300 of us. This was impossible. And your salvation is impossible apart from the gift of God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Are you getting the message? What Paul is saying is, it is a gift of God. And folks, that's good news. Receive the good news today. Even if you've been a Christian for a long time, receive the good news that it's a settled fact and you're not adding anything to it. Then let's get to that last word. Work. Somebody said, I knew that was coming. There's got to be a catch. It was free, but you got to work. Well, listen carefully to verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. It's all about grace. But we're his workmanship. Literally a product, a thing made, a fabric, a finished product especially the work of art, like a painting, a sculpture, or even a poem. They would say, that's a workmanship. I want you to hear something. You're his workmanship. When God created you, he created you uniquely. There's not another one like you, never has been. You're his workmanship. Uniquely, wonderfully, miraculously, sovereignly made. Psalms 139, 14 says, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. This is the psalmist just crying out to God and saying, I praise you because you've made me. But we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We are not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. So make sure you don't get this out of order. You hear the word work and you think, I knew there was a catch. I knew I had to do something. Well, here's the point. You didn't do something to get saved. But because you're saved, there's fruits of that salvation. It ought to be obvious that you're a child of God after you become a follower of Christ. And so you're saved not by works. You're saved for works that God has prepared beforehand. God has prepared a course for your life. And we walk in them. We don't walk in them to earn his love because he already loves us. We don't walk in them to earn his grace. You can't. It wouldn't be grace if you earned it. We don't walk in them to earn salvation. We walk in them because we are saved. We are his child. We're carrying out the work that the Father has prepared beforehand that we should walk in, that we should be occupied with, that we should live in. People should see our lives the way we live our lives, the way we talk, our conversation, our life, our behavior, and say, that looks like the work of God. In fact, you ought to acknowledge that and say, look what God's done in my life. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you ought to be able to look back over your life and say, I can only explain that by God. God did that, I didn't. I want to share a quote from John Newton. The guy who wrote the first four verses of Amazing Grace. 
John Newton said this, I am not what I ought to be. Oh, how imperfect and, and deficient. I'm not what I wish to be. I abhor what is evil and I would cleave to what is good. I'm not what I hope to be. Soon, soon, so shall I put off mortality and with mortality all sin and imperfection. Yet, though I am not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, nor what I hope to be, I can truly say I am not what I once was, a slave to sin and Satan. And I can heartily join with the apostle and acknowledge by the grace of God I am what I am. Is that the truth about your life? You may be a church member. You may be real religious. But has there ever been a life change in your life that you point back and understand, I have been saved? Not because of my efforts, but I've been saved by grace through faith. I've received the gift that God offers. Let's pray together. Would you bow your heads? And think about that question. It's important. It's important to live that way every day of your life. It's important to understand how you got saved. To rest in the fact that you are saved. And to know that it's God's grace through faith. As we stand in just a moment to close with a chorus, I just encourage you to sing that to God, acknowledging that he's a good God who's extended a gift and you've received it. In Christ's name, amen. Stand with me one more time.